Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. What up, friends? Welcome to church. Go ahead and give God a shout of praise as you find your seat. Man, it is good. It is good just to wait on the presence of the Lord. You know, we're, we're in such a fast-paced time that I feel like we just don't know how to wait on the Lord. I've found that there's something about this idea of setting ourselves apart. That's what holiness really means. It means to be set apart. It doesn't just mean that you're really good. It means that you're saying, hey, I am consecrating myself for the purposes of God. And, and sometimes that's definitely about our attitudes. Thanks, buddy. It's about our behaviors, but it's also about just the time that we take to wait on God's presence as we wait for him, as we wait for his word. Sometimes as I'm trying to have some time alone with God in the chair, sometimes I'm like trying, I'm busy. I'm trying to like, oh, let me read a bunch of stuff and try to access the presence of God. And as I just hush and just wait, and you wait a little. You wait a little longer than you think you should wait. The presence of God comes. And man, that's worth crossing town for, yo. The presence of God, a true rhema word from God that is filled with his presence. It's worth going just about anywhere you got to go, waiting just about as long as you'd ever have to wait because it's irreplaceable. You can't watch it on TV. You can't listen to it in a song. You can't even just talk to somebody who you think is really godly or whatever. It's got to be the presence of God that we get. And so I want us to start uh, today's message by just waiting on God and asking him to come speak his word. There's nothing more valuable than his word. And I don't want you to have to have come all the way out in this cold and get some like lame, not God word. So let's, let's bow our heads one more time and ask for God to send his presence and his word. God, we believe you're here. You're the guest of honor, Jesus. Would you send your word this morning? Would you lift our perspective? There's dark corners of our hearts, Master, that need lit up by your brightness, by your truth. God, we're asking for the word of God this morning. It's going to happen in some church, Lord, so we pray it would happen here. In Jesus' name. I know it's a little bit chilly in that hallway. If you're still cold, you can just feel free. Just get up and do some push-ups or jumping jacks or whatever. Like, I'm going to be all right. I don't, I don't mind that. Um, <clears throat> hey, one thing I would ask you to do, if you have the Fierce app on your phone, would you go ahead and 
If you don't know how to do this, maybe somebody at the tables in the lobby can help you after service, but turn on notifications. There's all kinds of stuff we want to send you during the week. We're not going to bug you, but it's good, spiritually healthy, chunky, rich, good stuff. So try to find a way to turn on those notifications so you can receive that during the week. I want to let you know, guys, this semester, we call it, okay, so like the fall semester between fall and Christmas, uh, we haven't had groups. And I want to give you a heads up that we are going to have groups as soon as we start the new year. A few weeks ago, some of you, we did kind of like an intensive survey. We got a lot of good information from folks. And so we're redesigning our group system entirely. We're going to start talking about that in December. But just so you know that's coming, um, please be in prayer for yourself so we can uh, hit the ground running next year as we start, assuming there's no like COVID-3 or whatever, you know, nothing else happens. But... <clears throat> We said last week that this series is really about ideas. It's not about bashing people. Here, I want to give you a shortcut for social justice. It's this. Esteem God and esteem his image. Esteem God and esteem his image. And when I say his image, I don't mean like a painting of Jesus. I mean what he calls his image. And what he calls his image is people. Esteem God and esteem his image. In 1519... Hernan Cortez and his conquistadors, they landed in the Aztec Empire. That's where Mexico City is right now. And they went to, I want to say this, it was the capital city, I want to say it right, it's Tenochtitlan. If somebody wants to correct me after service, feel free on my pronunciation. But they went there, and it was one of the top five most populated cities in the world at that time. Now, what you need to know about these folks is that they had this great big temple called Temple Mayor. And it was kind of like a pyramid with two towers, okay? So at the top of the pyramid, they would take a flint knife and they would cut the heart out of tens of thousands of people. Then they would cut off the head and they would kick the body down 180 steps to cannibals down at the bottom who would then proceed to eat those bodies. Now, what's even worse is they really believed that the tears of children were very pleasing to the God of water. And so archaeologists have found the remains of children that have been tortured, and they believe these children were tortured in mass in order to appease this demon god of water. And we would look at that today and we say, man, that is, that's definitely injustice. That's a lot going wrong in that city. Well, Cortez and his conquistadors arrived, and for two years they battled these folks, and after two years they had won and these people came, you know, they would say in the name of Christ. And yet what they did was they not only took the land, but they said, okay, these people are officially our slaves now, and we can treat them however we need to treat them, which meant we can force them into labor, we can rape them, we can, you know, extort them, we can take whatever we want from them because we're the winners and we've conquered this land. That also we would probably call social injustice. The Apostle Paul writing 1,500 years earlier said this, and I think he, he understood some things about humankind looking over the centuries. Romans 1.18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what, what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, 
They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. And they exchanged, somebody exchanged, somebody say exchanged. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever to be praised. Amen. Amen. Paul could have been describing the Tenochtitlan folks in the 1500s, but he could have also been describing American slave traders in the 1800s. He could have been describing Stalin's Soviet Union. He could have been describing Hitler's Germany. He could have been describing the genocide that took place in Rwanda, whatever you want to say about the Apostle Paul, he was not wearing any rose-colored glasses about humanity. He wasn't looking at humanity and be like, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty good. He wasn't naively thinking, oh, what, you know, what great people. They're just, they've just got some structural systemic problems. He wasn't thinking that at all. He was saying, hey, whatever good they're capable of, here's what Paul knew, injustice is stuck on repeat. Injustice is stuck on repeat. That doesn't mean we don't oppose injustice. It just means we're not surprised when century after century it remains stuck on repeat. It just finds new expressions. Here's a way that I might try to submit it to you today. Social justice is a fantastic outcome of the gospel. It's a fantastic outcome of the gospel. It's where, it's where social justice should show up is after the gospel. But it is a horrible replacement for it. It is a horrible replacement for the gospel. We want to be like the sons of Issachar, and we want to understand the times. That's the point of this whole series. I want to give us, instead of like trying to explain every little detail about what's going on on the planet, what I really want to do is I want to get us strong in seeing the world through the lens of the Bible. So FBI agents, when they're trying to teach agents how to recognize counterfeit money, some of you have heard this, they don't show them every version of counterfeit money and try to get them to study those. They just study true bills. They just study, hey, what's the right one? That, that way I can spot any counterfeit I see. We want to study the right stuff in God's word and we'll be able to understand the times just by looking at it. As long as our eyes are trained and we've got gospel glasses. Somebody say gospel glasses. Here's what I'm going to try to convince you of today. Every injustice begins with the failure to do God justice. Every injustice begins with the failure to do God justice. We have, we have and rightly so, like social justice is all the rage today. We talk about, you know, there's racial justice and there's gender justice. And, and I even heard about facial justice, which is just like justice when someone doesn't know they're giving you maybe a dirty look or whatever. I think that's a little silly personally, but there's all kinds of justice. But you know, the justice we never talk about is the justice that God deserves. That's where we should start because, you see, all the injustice that we're going to find on the planet, it's inside of the injustice we're doing to God by robbing him of his glory. Let me say it a different way. Um, my wife used to have this little bowl we would put out at, at Christmas. I don't know if y'all still do this. I don't know if this is fashionable. I don't know if this is on trend. But it was like a, it was like a, a punch bowl with water in it, and then these floating little candles. Anybody seen some of those? It's kind of like fire on the water type stuff. Well, that's kind of a picture of all those little candles are injustices that we have around the planet, but the big bowl is injustice toward God. 
It started with God. All of our injustices toward one another are first injustices toward God. We're mistreating God and therefore mistreating one another. So let's talk about what is the justice due God. We saw it there. It said, what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. God is saying, hey, I've left everybody without excuse. If, if, if you and I walk up a mountain together and we find on top of that mountain a little green tennis ball, we would rightly you know, infer, oh, someone was here and put this tennis ball here. This is designed. Someone left this here. If, if we are walking along, we, saw, we, f- we find a ball the size of a house, we should say, oh, somebody designed this and put this here. Now, if we're walking along in the universe and we, saw, we find a ball the size of a planet, we should say, oh, somebody probably put this here. This is probably how this got here. If you and I are in a, in a, in a paint factory, or we're outside of it, I don't want you to be inside because it's going to explode. So we're outside of the paint factory and it explodes. And as the paint factory explodes, it just all the paint falls just so it happens that it creates something that looks like the Mona Lisa. Now, is it possible that, that just that random event caused the Mona Lisa to happen? It's possible, but it's infinitesimally, it's not going to happen. You know what I'm saying? That is not going to happen that the Mona Lisa is going to appear from a paint explosion. Our universe, God says, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen that I fine-tune this in such a way that all this would just randomly happen. God says, I've left you a witness. People from the very beginning of time, they looked and they could see, oh, obviously, there's a creator here. Somebody made this. He says in verse 21, for although they knew God, that doesn't mean know him in the, in the personal way that we can know him through Christ. It just means they could see, oh, God, clear something made all this. And they neither glorified him as God nor gave him thanks. And that was a real diss to God because given his power, I mean, I mean think about what it takes to create a universe like this. Just, just looking at the sun, who could create a sun? And not only just one sun, but there's all these suns. There's like infinity suns all around the universe. And even just one of those is so powerful. What would take something much more powerful to create that? What about a supernova? Who's so powerful that they can create a system where there's supernovas? Who's so powerful then, then and, and so intricate and so detailed for us to be able to understand like DNA and like how that's coded? That's coded information. Who could ever do that? When you think about, I mean, just, just think about this. A sperm and an egg whether it's a human or some other kind of animal, these two things find each other and boom, there's a unique life. Like all that is just a witness to say, duh, God, God. And yet, God says, they didn't thank me for it and they didn't glorify me for it. And why that's weird, why that's bad is because it's a little bit like plagiarism. Let's say that you wrote like the novel of the century, okay? You wrote this thing, it was a work of art, it's going to be talked about for centuries from now, but somebody else comes along and they say, I did that. And they just like totally take credit for what you did. Aren't you going to be a little bit like, that's injustice, that was, you, you didn't do that, I did that, you couldn't even do that, I did that. Well, God is the author of everything that there is, and he's also, he's the author, so he's the authority, we get the word authority from author, he's the authority, <laughs> And he's not looking for people that just will acknowledge, oh, yes, I acknowledge a God, but who will respond to that God like he is a God. He's the authority. He's the creator, meaning he has authority over you and me. He has authority over lives. He gets to decide what we, gets to decide what we do and what we don't do. And when we say, no, forget you, author, I'm just going to take credit for everything good that go, goes on, God's like, 
I give you the grace to re-moisten your eyes when you blink. Everything you have is because I'm literally giving it to you. That's what God does. He says, so for you to just ignore me or just pretend I'm not around or, or especially to defy me and defy my good commands, God says, it's, it's bananas. It's you not thanking me and you not glorifying me and that is the first injustice. Justice would have been to give him thanks and praise forever and ever and ever, amen. His glory, literally, that, that, that's his weight. It's, it's the weight, it's the significance that we give something and yet we haven't given him the thanks that he should have. Here, here's, here's what we're trying to say. God is the point. And it is injustice to God's godhood to treat him less than God. Everybody hearing that? God is the point. It's injustice to his godhood to treat him less, like he's less than God. Now, here's what's cool and fun and interesting for this message. Giving God his due would naturally cause us to give everybody else their due. Because everybody else is made in the image of that God. A a millennia ago, St. Augustine wrote this really clarifying statement. Listen to what he said. He said, love God and do what you want. Love God and do what you want. And what he meant was, if you just love God the most, if you just make loving God like your number one priority, that will calibrate your heart that you'll never do anything wrong to anybody else. You'll end up obeying all the commands, because you're trying to love God so hard that you end up loving everybody. He's saying, I'll never lie to you if I'm afraid to dishonor God's image in you. If I'm so concerned about loving God that, well, if I was to lie to you, that would be dishonoring to God. I can't do that. That's the way it is with all obedience. Love God and do what you want. And so this is the process God's trying to get us. He's really, this is what Christianity is about. It's about Jesus becoming our treasure. It's really not just about obeying better. That's not what it's about. Jesus gives you his obedience. He says, all right, we'll, we'll catch you up. Just make me the prize of your life. Make, make my glory the most important thing in your existence, and I will recalibrate that heart that's a little bit off, and I'll make you want what I want and love what I love and do what I would do. And you'll always give God what his due is, and you'll always bring justice to the name of God. And in doing that, you'll always bring about justice. What are the effects of injustice? Here's the first one, wrath. The wrath of God. Wrath is, is it described in the New Testament. It's, it's like God's anger against that which is unjust. The wrath of God is being revealed, that's an interesting word, from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people. It's being revealed. If you go back and you read the book of Judges, you can see the wrath of God. It's, it's really super clear. You can see it being revealed. The book of Judges, it's this chronology. It's this history of, of Israel. And it's, it's just almost, it's almost humorous if it wasn't so sad. It's just this big cycle that keeps repeating itself. And like that's the point of the book. Is to say, without God, people just keep repeating dumb. They just keep repeating dumb. That's what they do. They start off, hey, we're going to follow God. Let's go, everybody. And they're following God. And like everything is blessed and good. And then they're like, ah, forget this. Let's go our own way. Let's invent our own things. And immediately, like society begins to deteriorate. Things get really confused. Their enemies come in and take over. And it's just really, really bad. And then somebody rises up. Hey, praise God. Let's go after God again. And they go after God. And like things start to get better. And they're like, nah, forget that. Let's just do it our way. And like everything just falls apart again. My friends, that's what you're seeing right now. We're in the book of Judges. Everybody's got a great idea about, hey, let's go do this. No, 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 no. 
Let's just go back to God and God's ways and seek to do justice to God's name and do what God would want and watch the blessing flow. And so what, we, what, what you're seeing in, in the world, you would have seen it 500 years ago, you're seeing it now, is the passive wrath of God. It's the passive, like things just go wrong, things are bad. God, God hasn't brought final judgment on the world. He's, just, he's, he's, he's trying to sound an alarm. We're never supposed to be comfortable on this planet. That's what we're trying to do as humans. We're trying to like arrange life so that everybody's comfortable and I can just get my life situated. And God keeps like bringing all this, he keeps allowing all this bad stuff to happen to get our attention, to say, yo, yo, alert, alert. Things are not good. Something is wrong here. And what's wrong is the human heart. What's wrong is not systems. Systems end up doing bad things, but not because of the system, because of the hearts of humans that invent the systems. So God says, pay attention. I'm trying to get your attention. Don't just coast on this cruise ship toward earth. You're going somewhere. You're going to die. Grab a hold of Jesus right now. Because before you know it, many of us before we know it, you can be dead before you think you are, yo. And so God says, you're, there, there's no saving this planet apart from Christ. So grab onto Christ right now. And it, it should, I mean, like, guys, let's, I just want, I want us to be a church of good theology. When you see the passive wrath of God out in the universe, out in the world, one of the things that should remind you and I of, it's a forewarning. It's to say, the final judgment is on the way. The real thing is coming. Get in the ark of Jesus right now. Because if you think this is bad, if you think it's confused now, if you think people are tearing each other apart right now, oh baby, you don't want to be around. When God really says, all right, all, all your life, you've begged me to walk away. Good luck. That will be what the judgment of God will feel like. That'll be the wrath of God on the planet. So God says, I know that everyone wants to relax. Don't relax. Cry out to God. Get a hold of God. I'm just gonna, I think it's a good message. I don't know if you like it or not, but I'll just amen. Hey, Carter, you keep preaching, man, because that's good stuff. That's the kind of thing I want to hear. And what happens is because we have, because we don't give God his due, because we don't give God justice, what did it say? We have darkened minds. We have darkened hearts, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. See, one of the things that happens when we, keep on going our own way is we create rationalizations for all the sin that we do. We come up with reasons that's okay. Well, here, that's, here's a reason why we should do that. Here's why we don't need to pay attention to God. And what breaks is our darkened heart and understanding. We get all messed up in terms of how we're thinking about purity, in terms of how we're thinking about loving one another, in terms of our very desires we get all discombobulated and it's because we've drifted now so far that we're no longer picking up the God signal. The grace that he would give us just to do life in a way that makes any sense, we're beginning to lose. And what Paul's trying to help us understand is, guys, it's not just the SS officers. It's not just Hitler. It's not just the slave traders. It's not just the Aztecs. Or the conquistadors. You're all way more fallen than you think you are. And you're, you're way more capable of unleashing corruption into the earth just by your own quote-unquote wisdom, human wisdom, than you think you are. So we can blame the fact that there's no utopia here yet on systems like Karl Marx. We can say, hey man, it's just because of the oppressors. That's why it's happening. Or we can take the Apostle Paul's advice and say, no, 
It's because in every heart, there is a cosmic treason going on that refuses to give God the glory and reorient themselves to bringing God justice, thereby bringing everybody else justice and esteeming his image. See, we're in the box. And when we're in the box, we can't from the inside of the box understand how to fix the box. It's not that we can't make things a little bit better, but uh, Charles Taylor, he's got this, this philosophical, it's a 50 cent term called the imminent frame. But really what he's saying is there's a box of the universe and we're all in this box. Everything that you've ever seen, everything you've experienced is in the box. Now people inside the box try to explain the box. Okay, so if you're like, Charles Darwin or Richard Dawkins, you might say everything is is to be seen through the lens of biology. Okay, that's the key. That's the anchor to understanding life. If you're Steve Jobs, you're like, hey, let's make it really intuitive, attractive technology. That's the key of life. Let's all like engineer things to be that way. Now, if you're like beautiful, if you're a model, if you're outrageous looking, your key or your anchor might be, hey, everybody just needs to look like I look. Then everyone's going to be happy. Everyone needs to get fit. If you're redonkulously smart, your key or your anchor might be, you know what, we, we just need to elevate everybody's smartness. The problem is, everyone who is saying that, they're still in the box. They're still in the box. And when you're in the box, you can't really decide what's valuable in the box. Because you're just in the box. You didn't make this. You don't really know how things are supposed to relate to one another. You're inside. So what do you need? You need somebody outside of the box who made the box, who understands all the things and priorities in the box, and who says, it's not through biology that you need to look at everything. It's not through how attractive somebody is or how smart they are. It is rather esteem God. God is the key. Look to God. God is the anchor. And if you will look to God, suddenly everybody you see is valuable. Because everybody you see is the image of God. It doesn't matter how smart they are. It doesn't matter how beautiful they are. It doesn't matter how, however they think about anything. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they seem to be wicked as all get out. They're still the image of God. God says, esteem them. That's the way. That's how you do it. Esteem God. And if you're going to esteem God's image, then you have to esteem all the people that are made in his image. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Thanks, Marilyn. I'm trying. I'm trying. Okay. And here's the third effect, idolatry. Idolatry. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things. It was an exchange. It was an exchange. It's always an exchange. Every time we worship something other than God, it's an exchange. And dude, it's a step down. It's a horrible exchange. You got ripped off. I remember the first time I, I was aware that I got ripped off. I was probably like 11 years old, okay? And I went into the video store, and it was one of those video stores where, like, all, you know, the walls of videos, and they're just video, video. You, you young ones, bless your hearts, you don't know about, you don't know about this. You, you go and you stand for an hour trying to pick out the right video, and then it's like six bucks, and you, you, know, you take it up there. And, and I went up to the lady, and I gave her a 20, but she gave me change for a 10. And I, I remember walking out of there, and I, like, tried to explain it to her. Hey, no, I gave you a 20. She's like, no, you didn't. And, and I walk out of there feeling like, oh, I just got ripped off. That's what being ripped off is. You ever feel like that? You know what it's like to feel like somebody gave you the wrong change or they, they did something that made you feel like that wasn't what I deserved. Here's what I think God wants us to remember. 
every time we have anything above God, any idol, okay, whether it's money, whether it's physicality, whether it's success at work, whether it's relationships and friends, whatever it is, you just got ripped off. You don't feel it, but we should walk away from every one of those saying, man, I got ripped off because I exchanged focus and worship of God for this stupid thing, this stupid temporal thing, this thing that's fading or it's already, it's decaying in my hand. It's going away. And yet God is all powerful and eternal. He'll never go away. He gets better every day, man. I got ripped off. Somebody say, I got ripped off. I got ripped off. See, this is the brilliance of Paul's recipe. Paul is trying to help us understand Your idols show you what you actually worship, not what you say you worship. They show you what you're actually doing. See, those conquistadors, if we could jump in the DeLorean time machine and go back and talk to them, they would say to us, oh, we worship the Christian God. And we would say, no, you don't. You might say you do. You might even think you do. But you're not esteeming God's God's creatures. You're not esteeming his image. You're raping you're stealing, you're overtaking, you're subjugating. That's not loving God. That's not worshiping God. And we can all say that all day long. Oh, we worship the Christian God. Well, you only really are worshiping the Christian God when you're esteeming God and esteeming those in his image. That's the only way to do it. To do anything else, we're failing to worship him. So why is it? Why is there theft? Because people worship the God of money. Why was there ever slavery? Because people worshiped wealth. And it, was, it wasn't always racism, but when it was, it was because, the, and here, here's the thing about racism. Racism is, on a lot of levels, it's worshiping your own skin. Instead of God, oh, you worship self. Instead of God, oh, you worship power. Oh, you made that deal, you made that exchange because you wanted to worship that thing Instead of the true God. Racism is really three sins, by the way. It's the sin of I'm failing to esteem the person in front of me. I'm failing to value them. I'm over-esteeming me or my own race. And I'm failing to give God glory. That's three in one, man. That's pretty bad. And we've got to do everything that we can to eradicate every kind of racism. But it's not just racism. It's every God that isn't God. Did you know that even resisting racism can be a God? Even social justice. Careful now, I'm going to tell the truth. Social justice can be a false God. Because there's a lot of reasons people do it. And sometimes, you know, like all of us, we're mixed motives. Right? So sometimes I do stuff because, well, that'll make me, honestly, it makes me feel better about me. It makes me feel like I can, I can walk tall and show my face in public because people will know that I'm for this thing or I'm against that thing. And that may be great, but that's really about you. That's about people thinking something of you rather than you thinking something of God. And by the way, that's super dangerous because especially in our day and age, those things, those values change so fast. What people approve of tomorrow is going to be different than what they approve of in like three weeks from now probably. And so we, we want to be careful where we stand our ground because it's, brought, it's about to turn into quicksand real quick. Instead, let's take our stand on God's word. Somebody say God's word. See, this is the thing, yo. Idols produce injustice. And they always will. And this is, this is going to be discouraging for a second, okay? 
500 years from now, do you think people are going to have idols? Is it, assuming Jesus tarries, think people are still going to be people and people are still going to have idols? You don't think we're going to graduate from that, do you? Yeah, we won't. People will still have idols, which means there will still be injustice 500 years from now. Now, some of us, and this, this, you know, if this is you, just watch out for this. We get, you know, ornery a little bit. We're frustrated. Why is, why is justice taking so long? Because there's humans here. Because the humans with the idolatrous hearts, they're still here. And check it out. If all the other humans left, except for you, there'd still be injustice because you're here. The only way for you to get out of the injustice, honestly, is for either Jesus to come back or you to go see him. That's the only way. That's the only way to do it. Now, don't hear that I'm saying let's not fight for justice. Let's fight for justice because it is the outcome of the gospel. We talked about last week. That's what we should be doing. That's what the gospel should produce. That's important to God. But let's not get the cart before the horse, baby. Let's not exchange it. Let's not make this thing an idol. God is the, God is the one that we are to fear and worship and pursue and glorify and do justice to. God is the one. Social justice is a fantastic outcome of the, of the gospel, but it's a horrible replacement for it because it can't change the heart. That's the strategy. That's the plan of attack. That's how the church of Jesus Christ is different. And by the way, that's one of the reasons you need the church because you need a community of people that are in the ark, all focusing on this and not just accepting all the values that are shifting and changing in the culture around us. We need each other so we can stay on, focused on this book. Somebody say, nobody moves that book. Nobody moves that book. That's, that's God's book. It's going to be the same. And so we need to keep focusing on this. But the way the book says to do it, do as much social justice as you can do, but also aim at the heart. Jesus renovates hearts. Jesus doesn't just set up a new idol. He says, let me get inside there. Let me change what you want. Let me change what you think is important. Let me convince you that doing justice to God is the most important justice anybody can ever do. Because when we do justice to God, we will end up doing justice to everybody else. So we're going to attack idols. Esteem God and esteem God's image. Here's some great news. It's great news for you and me. Jesus Christ died for your idols and your wrong motivations and the things you have over devotion to. He died. And there's grace. He says, that's okay. I forgive you for worshiping something other than me. He says, come here. Let's get you in this book and let's recalibrate. Let's recalibrate that heart. I want to ask you three questions before we stop today. And I want these to be reflective. So maybe you want to close your eyes for a second. Like, let's listen to the Holy Spirit while we're asking these questions. I'm just going to read them over us. Where have I been looking to something other than God to bring victory? Spirit, I pray you'd bring anything to mind that you want to bring to mind. Where have I been looking to something other than God to bring victory? Where am I more devoted to something created rather than the creator? Where in my life am I not beginning with God? Maybe even I'm trying to do a godly thing, but I'm not beginning with God.
you can open your eyes. Esteem God and esteem his image. You know, Jesus, Jesus was the ultimate social justice warrior. I mean, he, capital W, warrior. Jesus was the guy. And you know what Jesus didn't do? Think about this. Jesus could have healed everybody alive. He could have went about removing all social, just, social injustice. And yet, that wasn't his main objective. Did you notice this? As he's walking toward Jerusalem, okay, it's like his final moments. He's going to enter Jerusalem, and then he's going to be crucified. He knows it. This is his final entrance. And he says this. Praise the Father. He says, Now my soul has become troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice out of heaven said, I have both glorified it, and I will glorify it again. I wonder if we could make the same type of commitment to Jesus. Instead of saying, well, Lord, I want to look like I care about social justice, or I even want to really fight for social justice, we should say, God, I know that you want it more, more than I do, but here's me. Glorify your name. However you want to do that. With my life, I'm not even smart enough to know how to bring the most fruit about. But if you'll glorify your name and you'll put things in my heart, I will give myself to it for my whole life if you'll glorify your name. God says, give yourself to me first and then I'll do the glorifying. So we have five-day plans, five-week plans, five-month plans, five-year plans even. God has 500-year plans. God knows what's going to be true 500 years from now, and he's thinking about all of it. And we can either have purposes that oppose his now and in retrospect are seen as opposing his. Because see, those, those conquistadors, we can look back at them now. At the time, they probably thought, we're bringing Christianity to these people. We're doing a great thing. We're doing justice. But we look back now and we're like, no. At best, you are operating in your own human wisdom and you brought the opposite of justice. Whatever you did, you did not represent the kingdom of Jesus. I don't want God to say that about us in 500 years. That means we gotta give ourselves to God first. God's way is the right way. Somebody say, God's way is the right way. Here's our shortcut. Esteem God and esteem his image. Let's bow our heads. God, we stand on the world stage and we're just in a moment where there's a lot of confusion. There's, there's a lot being reaped right now that just like the book of Judges, it seems like it's, it's heading downhill right now. We pray that you would help us to esteem you. We, we pray that you would help us in the midst of our generation to stand against the, the current, that we would esteem God, and that even our motivation for bringing social justice to places, to people, would be to esteem your image in them, to treat them as valuable because they are made in your image. God, make us a solution. We don't know how, but God, hears us. Glorify your name. 
Christ's name. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible-preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being His witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development-related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.